0: You know, us nerds, we really do enjoy what we enjoy. There is nothing better than settling in and just enveloping yourself in entertainment that's comfort for you. Something that you just love more than anything. And and we all have that, whether it's old video games, old movies, old albums, anything like that. Anything, anything that you're really super into, like... The older you get, you will find things that give you a sense of nostalgia, gives you, helps you take you back to a place. We've talked about a lot on the show that, you know, just because you remember something doesn't make it good. And I don't know that we've really explored that much. So I wanted to tonight. On the Be Kind Rewind, take a skew of the Unkind Rewind, and I'm going to take a, f- a fresh look at something that I love more than anything. And really, this isn't by no means a-, a box office bomb, what we're talking about today. In fact, it's one of the highest grossing films of its category of all time. But I got to tell you, friends, there there's some fun. There's some fun in here that uh, bears... Take, taking a, a good look at and really, am really dissecting that. So uh, strap in, kids, because today we're having an unkind rewind. We're talking about the Back to the Future trilogy. The Back to the Future trilogy. It's just me, your boy Joey, um, settling into the new the new digs. We got uh, we moved recently, and let me tell you, this is a nice cozy little um, studio we've got here now. Um, a little bit of a downsizing, and it's it's quite lovely. It's 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 nice. So I wanted to talk about. We just had uh, what's uh, slowly becoming. Uh, uh, back to the Back to the Future Day, October twenty first. Um, in fact, it became Back to the Future Day five years ago on October twenty first, two thousand fifteen, because that's the year that Marty and Doc and Jennifer go to the future or our past, and um, and it's it's a good day. It, it, it's a good day to have uh, October twenty because that's memorable. Um. I personally think that um, uh, the day that Doc Brown invented the flux capacitor, November fifth, nineteen fifty-five, would be a um, a more apt uh, name because not only does two two movies focus on that, um, it's the basis. It's the day that, if you remember, the first movie. Doc Brown is standing on his toilet, hanging a clock. He slips. He hits his head on the sink, and the the idea of the flux capacitor comes to him. Uh, he, he he goes, he at length to talk about how important uh, November fifth, nineteen fifty five, is, and then subsequently in the sequel, Back to the Future Two, which out of my. Uh, for me personally, I enjoy the hell out of Back to the Future Two. is one of not only one of uh, is my favorite of the trilogy. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time. I would put that in my top ten. I think I have. I've probably talked about it several times before in the show. Uh, the whole point of him going back to November twelfth, nineteen fifty five, is the day that Biff goes back when he steals the DeLorean in twenty fifteen, and flies he knows how to do that all uh he knows how the time machine works and he takes and gives it to himself in 1935. but we're not we're, we're gonna get to that <laughs> uh so first off back to the future uh hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't like the very first back to the future unless you're talking to maybe eric stoltz and maybe crispin glover eric stoltz uh, if you recall uh, he was in mask, not the mask with Jim Carrey, but mask, uh, with that boy, with the movie, uh, about the boy with the disfigured face with Cher and a young, um, his name's escaping me now, but he's got the really cool voice. Um, anyway, um, he was cast as Marty, uh, Mar- Michael J. Fox was the one that they wanted first. And Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis were putting this together, but uh, he was still working on Family Ties, which was a super, uh, a super uh, successful TV show at the time. So they put, they cast Eric Stoltz, and it was painfully obvious right away that he was just not a good fit for it. He also wasn't really a good fit for it because he was just kind of playing a little like too intense and brooding, but also too, from what I've read that Eric Stoltz was a method actor. Now I don't, by no means, yeah, I've acted. I've been in things. I've done stuff. I've been on stage. Um, I've been having the privilege to be filmed in a couple projects. Um, I am incredibly directable. I will never, ever, ever fight with anybody from the cat, from the any of my castmates, or my director, or anybody on the crew, I will always, always, always be a respectful person. The one thing that I have is a really super hard problem with is method acting. I honestly, and I guess if I'm just a noob that doesn't understand, that doesn't understand uh, the nuances of the art, okay, I can agree to that. That I probably am, but I do not. Think that method acting is necessary or always appropriate. If you're, to me, if you're performing at that level, that shouldn't, you should be able to turn it on and off. And I don't know what you're bringing to the role because I've, I've, I've worked with some method actors, um, to a, to a, to a small degree on stage. And it could be kind of insufferable because not only are you, you have to stay in your scene, but in between scenes that that's your time to come out of it, not be too close to the material, get a fresh eyes and jump back into it. But if you're always having to deal with somebody who's in character, that forces you to kind of like stay with it as well. And you can lose yourself in not a good way. In fact, I couldn't even watch the, uh, Andy Kaufman deck, uh, documentary, Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey documentary, because I honestly don't think that, I don't know. I just, that's just my personal pet peeve. And if I'm just a complete noob, um, if if that's, (laughs) I guess that's just me, um, being, being, uh, not, not knowing the nuances of art and that's okay. Um, I will be fine with that. And in between scenes, I will be Joey and not whatever character that I'm playing. <laughs> so back to back to the future. Um, they get Michael J. Fox, uh, Christopher Lloyd, who had just come off of a successful run in Taxi. Speaking of Andy Kaufman and um, uh, a new person, uh, Thomas F. Wilson uh, played Mr. Biff Tannen, Crispin Glover. Now Crispin Glover, his problem was that he is kind of Crispin Glover is, if you when you hire Crispin Glover, you are hiring Crispin Glover. You are not hiring him to play a character. You are hiring him to play Crispin Glover and whatever the heck it is you're you're in. You're 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 doing. Um, it, it's been noted that like Robert Zemeckis did not like. Uh, uh, George McFly, Chris McGlover's performance. I personally think that it, it added a level of awkward and weirdness to it. Maybe uh, there there are some scenes that's a little... Like it worked for old George McFly. I think old George McFly is freaking hilarious and I could have watched a whole two-hour movie of old George McFly in original 85 and uh... You know, not as, you know, not as weird and bizarro in 1955, but that, you know, that's, that's the way he did it. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, Back to the Future, uh, was a critical success. It, it only cost, they made that movie for $19 million dollars. And it made $388.8 million in 1985. That's like a billion, trillion, gajillion dollars in 2020 money. Uh, That's an astronomical. It was number one for 11 out of the 12 weeks that it was in theaters and only dropped to number two behind National Lampoon's European Vacation and then went right back to the number one spot. And I can totally see that. European Vacation is a good movie, but I could see that why Back to the Future would overtake it. It had a storied past, or it had, uh, had to work hard to get its spot uh, to get made, and a lot of changes and a lot of things were made along the way, and I think that it is a fairly good, uh, I really enjoy, I mean, who doesn't enjoy Back to the Future? It does have its criticisms, and those criticisms are absolutely valid. Absolutely valid. Um, and for a couple things. One, the inherent an underlining, uh, racism to it. And by that, I mean, no, they're not coming right out and saying the N word, but if you look at it, Marty McFly is responsible for, for one, they credit him for creating rock and roll in- instead of Chuck Berry, which again, Chuck Berry wasn't the only one, um, by 1955. Uh, yeah, you had a rock and roll. Um, you, so you're crediting the creation of rock and roll to a white kid, uh, the character of Goldie Wilson, who was doing nothing but, uh, working in a diner. He sets, he plants the seeds for him to like become mayor and better himself. There's a lot of like reagan in this film, a lot of. Do it yourself, bootstrap. It was the 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 proto of this like uber conservative. Like, no one's going to help you. You're not going to get any help or assistance. Uh, you need to do this yourself. And not only that, your reward are material possessions. And I, and it wasn't till I was dis- dissecting some of the the production of this and and really deep diving into some of the themes yeah that's absolutely correct um, Marty Mcfly goes and changes the past and everything that he does is ends up being for the betterment to him and when he comes back after uh, changing the past um, after sabot- uh, you know unknowingly sabotaging it and then uh, fixing it. What that does is cause a lot of, so he comes back and his parents are insanely in love. The daughter has a lot of boyfriends. The brother who worked at McDonald's is now works in an office. Um, George McFly is now a really rich, uh, successful author marty mcfly comes back and his reward for what he does in the past is that he has all those things plus a nice shiny new truck i kind of agree with the sentiment that i read um studying for the show that the reward i think should have been like the happier family and not the truck it what was his motivations like uh, granted, yeah, he he's unwittingly sent to the you know he he gets sent to 1955, uh, not intentionally, but what he does while he's there, he betters himself, but at what cost? And there are some costs there involved that didn't that that I personally it, it, it it's interesting to me. And there's a couple characters here that needlessly suffer and surprisingly like you if you really think about it they become really sympathetic characters to you when i think about it okay number one biff tannen bar none biff tannen absolutely in the right lens is a sympathetic character. Biff Tannen, uh, if you don't know, is the bully in 1955, but he's also a bully in the original. So you have, like, original 85, then you have fixed 85, then you have 85A in the sequel, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get through all three of these. But Biff Tannen in the first movie, so in 1955, he's a punk kid, he's... Uh um yeah, he's a bully. He's your he's your he's your total bully, not a nice guy. He's he's handsy with the women. Uh he him and his goons throw a racial slur around unnecessarily. So yeah, he's a jerk. And then the original eighty five, he's a jerk. He's he he's he's bullied George McFly his entire life. Okay, George McFly, not only is but he's known him for 30 years. But he's also bullied him his entire life. But again, he still works with him, so at some point they got jobs together. Um so he's bullied his entire life. All right? When Marty fixes that and uh George McFly basically like puffs up and stands up for himself and punches Biff, what that happens is when you go to Uh, the fixed 85 now Biff is absolutely subservient to George. He, uh, you can say George now has become his bully and he's been his bully for 30 years. He, you know, he gets mouthy to him. He, uh, he, you know, if, when you watch fixed Biff, he's literally hunched over like an Igor. Like he's, he's physically lowered himself and this has gone on for 30 years for absolutely 30 years to me. That's really bizarre and you could say that, okay, yeah, he got what he deserved and on the surface, yeah, he got what he deserved because if he was left to his own devices, he would have been a prick, but he was put in his place. Well, then, then what happened? Okay, he, he could have learned a lesson. Something ha- continued to have happening. C- something could must have continued to happen after that night, after jo- George McFly punches him, to continue that for 30 years. Okay. Uh, not only the... the So you've got George McFly basically becoming Biff in the... Because now they're rich. They've got lots of money to throw around and... and you know, that now there's another aspect of this that people forget about and it's pretty existential. And if you're reading too much, you know, it might just be me reading too much into this, but there is a character who dies in back to the future one that is no longer around and nobody will ever know that he's dead and that is Fixed Marty, okay, what do I mean by that, Back to the Future starts with, you know, Original 85, uh, Marty's a slacker, he's a punk kid, he's late for school, he's a rocker, he, um, you know, gets in trouble a lot, he's kicked off the battle of the bands because he's too loud, which is a pretty funny scene with Huey Lewis, He's just a derelict. In fact, in the backstory to this, Marty and Doc, Marty, it, it, in one of the like prequel stories, Marty break is like is like a punk kid is like breaking into Doc's lab. That's where like the the friendship, the relationship started. I mean, don't get me you know don't get me started on like this crazy old man having a boyfriend, but a boy who's a friend. But he's, um you know, he's not, he's just like a, you know, Hill Valley in, in, in original 85 looks pretty crappy, um, as it is already. Like if you really look in the background, it's pretty run down already. And so, um, but anyway, so he goes to the past, fixes things when he comes back to the future. George is different. His uh, Lorraine, his mom is different. His brother and sister are different. Biff is different. What happened to that Marty of that universe? Because now it's a different universe. It's not the original 85. That 85 is gone. Now there's a new 85. Well, in that new 85, Marty was born. Marty lived with a father who was a successful author A mom who was you know happy um in love with her husband not not just you know depressed and given up like she is presented in the beginning of the film none of that is uh you know he had a brother that's really successful in business because he works in an office you know a sister who has lots of boyfriends so she's you know, she's her own woman, that Marty is gone, that Marty was there, um, she, he, when, when Marty comes back to 85, and it's the Lone Pines Mall now, not Twin Pines Mall, when it's Lone Pines Hill Valley, that's Marty, that's new Marty we're seeing, not original Marty, new Marty, you know, that, so that, when that Marty disappears into the past, he's gone, because, where does he go? Am I reading too much in this? Maybe, but that Marty's gone because now this original Marty from original eighty-five is now has now taken his place. He has no memories of his gro- his childhood would have been completely different, and he has no memories of that. He remembers, you know, a, a put upon father, a depressed mother, uh, you know, some really terrible, you know, some really super, you know, a, a poor family. Uncle Joey, Jailbird Joey, what happened to him? He's not mentioned in Fixed 85 at all. Is he in jail? I mean, it's a joke. And I've always, for some reason, because my name's Joey too, obviously, that always stuck with me. Like, what happened to Joey? Why was he in prison? Why do he not get let out again? And how is that story not wrapped up? It didn't really need to be. It was just kind of a one-note punch. But for, them, for him to stop and make a scene about meeting Joey when he was a little baby, like, you know, like what happened there? So back to the future has its problems a a lot. Um, the, the idea that 80, the, the, again, it's that Reagan era, that Reagan style thought process that things were better in the past. 1950, 1955 Hill Valley is beautiful. Um, your life is not happy unless you are super rich and successful and you have a nice, cool truck. So there you have it. The movie ends. Now, this is where it gets cool. Um, now, the movie, the Libyans, too, in the first one. He rips these people off. What were these people doing in Hill Valley where they had plutonium? There was something else going on there. What happened to them? Why were they there? I mean, that's that's a big deal to me when he comes back they they're not dead they're just right there in uh, in in a photo booth a broken down photo booth so so we get to the end of back to the future 1 and the movie ends with and you know as a kid it was amazing like the coolest thing ever doc brown comes back to uh, comes back and he's he's come from the future and things things are awry and they have to fix them and Jennifer lets go. Which side note, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, one of the two, said that that was actually the worst. Um, which will we'll, which we'll get into that for the second movie too. Like that was one of the worst. Um, plot decisions they ever made is having Jennifer get in the car. She shouldn't have gotten to the car because it limited where they could, the story they could have taken, which again causes another problem in the second one. Um, So it limited them. So what happens then, if you haven't seen it, obviously you've seen it, it's back to the future. The car, you know, Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88, 88. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And the car you know, hovers up. Flies away. Well, before we get into the sequel, take a step back. All right. In the middle of the day, all right, Marty, Doc, and Jennifer climbed into a car and disappeared. All right. Disappeared. Remember what happened in the first act of the film. Standing outside at that point, it was the Twin Pines Mall. Doc and Marty. Put Einstein in the car. The dog. They. He hooks it up with the cool, with the cool uh, RC thing, which was freaking chef kiss. Awesome. He sends Einstein one minute into the future. Okay, one minute into the future. Gone. What does Doc and Marty do? They sit and talk for a minute, and then boom! All of a sudden, Einstein returns. For that minute that Einstein went into the future, he was gone. He wasn't there, all right? So remember that. Cut to the end of the movie. Doc, Marty, and Jennifer climb in the DeLorean, fly away, explode into a ball of light, and disappear. Now, in the original movie, I'll grant it that it's not shown, and it's thrown in uh, in an after-reshoot, um, at the beginning of part two, but it's established in Canon that Biff Tannen, remember Igor Beef Tannen, the one that's, that's, that's bullied upon by George McFly is witnesses this. Okay. They disappear and they're gone. Now we know from the events of back to the future 2 that doc, Marty, Jennifer go to 2015. All right. They go to the future. We establish in the in first act of part one that in the going into the future means that you aren't there to go into the future, to be there, to live your life. All right? Einstein goes into one minute. in The future, he's gone for a minute. So if Doc, Marty, and Jennifer go to the future, they are gone. All right? They're not there to live their lives. What you have is a better representation of time travel, traveling to the future, you will find that in the movie Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator, a kid gets sent to the future. Uh, The time that he's gone traveling to the future, time continues on in present day. So his parents get older. His brother gets older. They put out missing missing children's uh, flyers. They would search for this kid. He was gone. He is traveling to the future. He shows up The Flight of the Navigator was like 10 years later. He shows up. He's still a kid. Everybody else has gotten older. Marty, Doc, and Jennifer, that's what would have happened. Is... George and Lorraine would have grown up and gotten older. The brother and sister would have gotten older. Biff would have gotten older. What would have happened was when the car goes to the future and there's a, a huge explosion and then it disappears and you have Biff Tannen standing there. What Biff Tannen, mind you, a beat up Biff Tannen, basically witnesses the disappearance of a wealthy author's child. A couple hours later, yeah, they're taking the truck to the lake for a spin or whatever. Well, when Marty doesn't come back from the lake and the truck, mind you, is still sitting there in the garage, where's Marty? Where's Jennifer? You know, no one seems to know or care about Doc. So, where is this rich ch- this rich author's child? Where is this daughter who was dating this boy? Where did they go? And my. And another question who was the last person to see them alive biff tannin biff tannin's going to jail because biff Tannen had, had something to do with the appearance of the child of 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 george and lorraine not only that put yourself in a police detectives uh you know put on your 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 forensic files hat or your unsolved mysteries hat missing child well Who are your normal suspects? Well, the parents, maybe this guy that's been systematically abused for 30 years that, that he's been completely subservient to for 30 years, who probably owns a grudge to not only that, the kid looks suspiciously like a guy that showed up, you know, you have all these kids living their lives in 1955. And this kid shows up wearing Calvin Klein underwear And completely wrecks everything, changes the dynamic of three people's lives, four people's lives, Uh, 1955's Doc's Biff, 55 Biff, uh, young George and young Lorraine, completely changes the dynamic of how the school operates, everything, okay? You're going to remember that person. I, (laughs) yeah, you know, to you also got to kind of wonder too... If why your third kid looks exactly like some dude who was your for George George McFly's point of view was exactly how come you have a kid who looks identical to somebody who was your 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 wife's uh, basically your your sexual rival in, when you were in high school. My grandparents, uh, my grandmother still, uh, she doesn't bring it up. Okay. But one time I did get her to tell me about, um, when her and my grandpa were kids, there was a boy that was like, I don't know, they were in, you know, my grandpa and this guy were in competition to, to date my grandma. So... You know, and she's, and this is 60, 70 years ago. And I can guarantee you, my grandfather and my grandmother would be able to describe that person exactly. <laughs> so it was weird. So to me, that was always weird that, like, why, you know, in the context of, okay, fine, it, they, they, Biff, or excuse me, uh, the, the three in the car go to the future and they're able to see their older selves. If, Time travel was real. For one, not only would you have to build something to cut through time, it would have to be able to transport from place to place as the Earth is is totally spinning. If you were to be standing, st- you, you, we are not standing still, so you couldn't just materialize in the same spot because we're not in the same spot. <laughs> Even if you were to blink out for two seconds and come back, you're floating in space at this point. Earth's spinning way too fast. Um, But that's just a little nitpicky thing. So that is what would happen to and back. That's the tragic stories of back to the future. One Biff basically becomes bullied his entire life and lives a miserable existence. And it's proven leading into the sequel. (laughs) He lives a miserable existence. Uh, Fixed Marty is dead. He existed. He was a person that had emotions who had feelings. Who's not with us anymore. Um, so there you have it, Back to the Future. We all love Back to the Future. It's an amazing it is it is a hallmark of of Americana like it is one of the high points. You you know if you were going to do your top 20 or you know it's, not, and it's never going to be anyone's top 5, but it's going to be in someone's top 20, Back to the Future. It was one of the two top-grossing films of that year. Um it was one of the top 20 uh in um not the Smithsonian, but one of the museums that that registers this stuff that was quintessentially just 80s and like everything to this day there's a wrestler named Koshida who still I mean it's 2020 he dresses like Marty McFly, every year there's just more and more Back to the Future stuff um, it's good, it's good stuff 35 years old and it's still very much relevant today well, that leaves you to Back to the Future too a whole host of different problems than this one. All right, so we established in Back to the Future 2 again, Biff saw the DeLorean leave, all right? Let's just say that the time, the way time works here is that in the, uh, so 20, 80, so 85, 95, so 30 years in the future, 2015, at some point Doc and Marty, Jennifer comes back to 20, uh, 85, and live to be old. So when they go to the future, they're able to see their old selves. You couldn't do that. You can go back and see your young self if time travel were real. I don't think you can go see your old self. It just wasn't working because you're not there to age. So they go to the future. And of course, everybody jokes about how they, how they, that was like the worst thing ever on the original Back to the Future Day in 2015. This is what they got wrong. They purposely didn't try to do anything that was, realistic. There were things that ended up being realistic despite themselves, but obviously cars weren't going to be flying and things like that. Um the price of inflation here's 50 bucks, you can go get something to drink, yeah. Prices of inflation. I, you know, that was you know, a 50 is a low, a smaller bill uh in this world. Um the different things, the 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 personal computers, the vision screens, stuff like that, like it's even more so. Um so we get to 55. Excuse me, 2015. Now, this, again, leans the problem of Jennifer got in the car and left and went to the future. Well, now they have to have an adventure with Jennifer, Marty, and, and and Doc. What do they do? They originally put her to... They they, they right away put her to sleep against her will. They, they completely... Uh, com- yeah, they put her to sleep against her will. They basically, like, electronically drug her. So she doesn't have any memory of this adventure. So the boys can go do their thing. I, I, and I guess in the lens of 2020, it's, that's gross. And it's unnecessary because for one, uh, the, the, the role of Jennifer was recast. It was, uh, Claudia Wells in the first one. And then she had, uh, personal, uh, life's things that she had to deal with. So they recast Elizabeth Shue. You've got Elizabeth Shue. She, oh my goodness. That's my crush. That's my lady. That's Elizabeth Shue. Okay, she was she Sam in Adventures and Babysitting. Like She was in the Karate Kid. Like that's Elizabeth Shoe. She could do more than just fall asleep and lay there and bring nothing else to the to the movie. And that's a shame because she, I, I I think that they could have had a lot of fun with that, but you know, whatever. I mean, narratively speaking, you've got, you, you've got a lot to deal with and, and Michael J. Fox, you know, is a good enough actor that it was okay. But again, in hindsight, maybe do some more with Jennifer or yeah, I know they wrote themselves in a corner by having her get in the car, but they could have fixed that. Um, so the purpose of going to the future, now they kind of had to write an adventure for the future because they established that at the end of the first one, is the purpose The purpose of it was to stop Marty Jr. from doing something. It's really ambiguous and futuristic. Um, it was like a robbery with Griff, Biff's grandson. All right. This is important. So they go there, and his great idea is to put Marty Jr. to sleep against his will and have Marty, regular Marty, take over and tell him no to go eat it. Well, they do kind of already establish the fact that you don't necessarily have to do those lengths, okay? Just telling somebody, hey, you're going to get, like in the first one, Doc, you're going to get shot by Libyan's. Okay, you maybe not, you know, maybe come up with a different power source for your DeLorean, or if everything's gonna unfold like it is, you know, wear a bulletproof vest so when they do shoot you, you live. I mean, there's other things you can do to keep that from happening, and I think that there could have been an easier way than that. Granted, it's a movie and they needed something to do. I understand that, but they established that you could fix a lot of things just by talking, and I think that that's especially in Back to the Future too. They could fix a lot of problems this film has, narratively speaking. Again, mind you, Back to the Future 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Narratively speaking, they could fix a lot of problems with just using their words. So, you have, uh, they go, they go to the future and, you know, it's really cool. I I love the way it's presented, um. Jaws 19, I thought was a little hokey because even from 1989 standard, you would have to do another Jaws movie every year for a year to get to Jaws 19. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. Um, the idea that the shark still looks fake line is a really good dig at, 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 at Steven Spielberg. So I liked that a lot being a film person. I, the, the, the scene, um, with Griff Biff's grandson I really liked. I loved that in the 50s Biff's henchmen were just three white boys in the future. Uh, Griff's henchmen are a girl, an Asian man and uh, I, I think some sort of Hispanic dude are his three. so he's got some good inclusion there. However, in the production, which this I, I didn't notice this until last year when it was pointed out to me and I sat and watched the scene, the female, in and Griff's Griff's uh, henchman, henchwoman, the female, that stunt woman is completely abused in this film, absolutely abused. There's a scene where the the iconic hoverboard chasing scene. Oh God, it's so fun. Just what kid, especially you know, I was nine years old when the second came out. Holy crap! What kid didn't want a hoverboard? I still want a hoverboard. Actually, no, I take that back. I don't want a hoverboard. I want a vest that makes chicken noises like that one guy had. But I'm going to digress. The female, the the female stunt woman, uh, when things go, you know, when when the when when the hoverboard race unfolds, and. He gets the drop on Griff and his gang. The the goons are sent straight up into the side of the clock, the, the which is Hill Valley Mall now, the clock tower. If you watch closely, this poor woman gets slammed into a pillar on the side of the building. The other two guys just go straight into the glass like you're supposed to. She gets bounced against a pillar, and then when they put and they're put through the glass and then on the other side where they fall... They're just dropped. She lands on the hard ground. She finds she falls thirty-five feet onto the ground. The other two guys land on mats, and you could see this in the movie. Like, holy crap! They completely like physically abuse this woman. So that's pretty bad. But so you've got this really gross misogyny of just going to put you know the girl to sleep. And then in real life, they physically abuse the stunt woman. Uh, it's kind of a shame. So narratively speaking, it also, it also brings up another point. And this is something that I don't know why I've dwelt. And I've dwelt on this for, since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, since I saw it when I was nine, 10 years old. So you've got Biff. All right who has, now you've got essentially the old versions of the fixed 85 you saw. So um, George is still an author. Um, Everything is okay. Um, So Biff, old Biff now, is still just this beat-up old man, and he's presented that way. He's this beat-up old man who's not only beat up now by George, but like everybody, even his own grandson Griff, who Griff is like cool, right? Like Griff is like the epitome of just like this. He's everything that Biff was in the past. He's just. Times 10. Well, he learned nothing like I strike that you would have almost assumed that that's what would have happened because Griff grew up watching his grandfather just be beaten to death. Of course he's not going to take anything i watched my grandfather be treated like garbage in fact i treat him like garbage but he's not going to be self-aware enough to see that he's going to be an asshole too because he watches the grandfather and it also begs the question what about biff jr if there's biff and there's griff there has to be another child in between there a biff jr now in the cartoon because there was an animated cartoon to this there is a biff jr Biff Jr. would have been in 80, if conceivably Biff Jr. would have been around my age because I could have easily been in 85. I was five. So old Biff from 85 could have had a little five-year-old kid at his house in 2015. I could have had, um, if Griff is a teenager let's just say that he's 18 yeah i could have had a you know biff could have june biff junior you know biff junior could have been you know you know fast so to speak so the math works out Uh, the math does does work out that biff could have had as long as you propose that biff jr is alive in the events of 85 which i'm pretty sure he was um what's up with biff jr that's something in my when I close my eyes and dream of writing fan fiction. To me, he's the most interesting character, because he's a little punk. He's just a punk Biff in the cartoon. I beg to differ. I can imagine a Biff Jr. being either completely, like either nor completely normal. Like he he saw that his dad was basically the manservant to George McFly, and. That makes him kind of soft, and he goes on to create the most asshole kid ever in Griff. That to me is what I, I am thinking is a Biff Jr. And I would, I'm saying right now, that in my in my in my fan fiction writing dreams, I would like to write a story about Biff Jr. And if there are any people who know how to shoot films, I would love to play Biff Jr. Because I get it, and I and I and I'd be curious to see what 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 would happen with that character. And I promise I won't play it method acting. So they get to Marty. You you learn after so Marty and Doc and by default Jennifer go to fix this problem that Marty Junior is going to do. But you realize that Marty Senior, regular Marty, did not grow up well at all. Okay, he did not. Um, You learn. couple things. One, you learned that he has, he got into a car accident with a Rolls Royce, which caused him to give up on his music and just be between, just be a miserable bastard his whole life. All right. Two, for some reason, because it's not addressed in the first movie, but in the some, at some point he developed an anger issue. And if you call him a chicken, he will literally do whatever it is you're egging him on to do. Um, it becomes like a serious plot point in the first or the second and third ones. And it comes out of nowhere, this idea that now all of a sudden he's like this hothead that if you call him a chicken, he will fuck your shit up or at least do something completely crazy and insane. And it, it's interesting that that comes out of nowhere. And you can say, oh, well, maybe because now that the original Marty's dead, you know, new Marty's dead. Maybe that was a, a part of that person's, who knows? But like, it's just a really weird thing that they wrote in there in the second one that goes to the third one. And it becomes something that he overcomes in the third one, which I thought was really weird. Um, But yeah, Marty's life is just gross. Like Marty, Jun- Mar- Marty, Marty senior becomes George McFly senior, like George McFly from the beginning of the first one. Um he, he he doesn't you know you could tell that there's like marital strife his kids can give two shits about him which I loved Marty's Jr and Marlene I thought that was great and if you look closely that scene is just perfect where they have Marty Jr Marlene which I guess they're twins and old Marty all interacting at the same table interacting with each other and they They're all played by Michael J. Fox. Love it. That was actually groundbreaking at the time. And if you'll notice, like, Marty, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox essentially pours uh, a glass of uh, a drink. And then he picks it up. Like, he's pouring it and he's picking it up. And they made that work. They made it work amazingly in a movie called Multiplicity, uh, which we'll probably cover on the show. But... It's really cool. If you really watch, it's really neat how they make it work and they kind of cut through. There are some scenes where you could tell they cheat because they're wearing glasses. Um, So you 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 could cheat by using a double. But I don't know. When you look really close, I believe it's Michael J. Fox on all three characters the whole time. Either way, it's pretty cool. And they did get away with, since they didn't get Crispin Glover for the sequel because he wanted too much money or he... He understood like the lessons that Marty learns in the first one. is not very healthy. Like your life will be better if you have a truck. Um, So they got an actor that actually played George McFly uh, in shows at Universal Studios conveniently enough because that's where they filmed a bulk of this film. So they got around him not and I didn't know this till years later that it was never Crispin Glover in the first one. It was always this other actor and that's why they flipped him upside down in that. And that thing, and they had to wear sunglasses, like they got away with faking it. And I never noticed until much, much later, uh, as I got older. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, there's this whole scene where there were old Lorraine explicitly explaining almost directly to the audience, because all these kids would know that Marty McFly did something happened, something happened to him that made his life a complete mess my question is doc brown why not fix that mistake not go to this distant problem this thing with the kids probably wouldn't have even happened if that wouldn't have happened with the rolls royce it doesn't fix that now it's cool that like you know how that unfolds later you you, you learn how that unfolds much much later but still it leaves a big question mark and to me even as a kid why why was that not even addressed like why didn't he just fix that if there was this huge problem that he had because he's losing his job he's just he just looks like terrible so and it is funny too if you notice in the sequel he like the style is wearing two neckties and it's funny too because if you look at like his his outfit for the first one Most people who do, like, Marty McFly cosplay, the first thing they always say is, holy crap, he's wearing, like, five layers of clothes. And if you look closely, he is. For most of that film, you know, in those iconic scenes where he's, like, going through time, he's wearing, like, he's wearing a T-shirt. Then he's wearing a white – he's wearing, like, a pink T-shirt or a red T-shirt. Then he's wearing a white uh, button-down shirt. And then he's wearing, like, a jean, like, a denim shirt. And then his jacket. Like, he's he's just swimming in clothes, and then in the future he's wearing two neckties, like maybe that's Marty's problem, he's wearing too much clothes calm down a little bit so we get to you know we wrap up our future adventure in the meantime, my old Doc, or old old Biff, realizes that that Doc and Marty um created a time machine and you see him take the time machine, and then return and you know it, it it causes a question pays off here in a few moments when they return back to 85 now you have a third 85 where it's uh in in the documents and stuff it's referred to as 1985a or as I like to call it present day 2020 <laughs> uh hill valley is even worse than it was in the original 85 um it's a nuclear power plant. There's fire. Uh, the, the 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 clock tower has been replaced by Trump Plaza. Biff now has become Trump. It's exactly who the character was written about, um, absolutely to the T. Um, it's no surprise, even seeing it back then. Yeah, he's um, completely disregarded. And again, some more misogyny because the story is that you know basically Biff you know, becomes rich and has his way with whatever he wants. He forces Lorraine to marry him. Like you could tell she's fighting him in the wedding day. Um, forces her to get plastic surgery to get big old boobies. Like it's, that's a terrible message. That's a terrible message. And again, now you have a, a second Marty that's dead because there's a shitty Marty that grew up in that world he was supposed to be in Switzerland. Now he's gone. That Marty is dead. So, So clearly something happened in the timeline Because the good 85 they fixed Is now Evil 85 or present day 2020 Um, They find out they have to go back And then in a third act Which is really cool They get a chance to uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern The events of the first movie And they go back to 1955 Again, November 12th, 1955 He even says that you know, what if that date has some sort of historical significance or it was just a huge coincidence? Who knows? So, there's part of this that's interesting to me. When he goes to, so they return to 55. This time they're doing a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern around the events of the first movie. So, they're letting it play out, not interfering, but kind of pulling some strings in the back. You get to see more of what happened uh, behind the scenes of what was happening in the first film. Um the I you do see an aspect of this that is odd because a bulk of this 1985 scene you learn a that uh Biff is lives kind of like, yeah, I mean it's it's a decent enough house, but like he just lives with his grandma so at some he comes from a broken home. That's pretty significant for 1955, not being raised by your parents and just having a a mean sounding grandma. All we know is by, man, why are you going? Just going to get my car, grandma. Like, so he comes from a pretty shitty background. So of course he's going to be an asshole in school. He's probably self-conscious of his upbringing. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and, and debate that he's the good guy of the film, but you kind of can see like there's there's problems there well as the scenes roll out old biff from from 2015 shows up he somehow knew the concept of time and how it worked there's a lot to it but apparently he figured it out uh we're not going to hold that against the movies uh and he gives um a, a basically a macguffin really basically the pot device the uh 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 a sports almanac that is even mentioned in the first one, actually. He says, you know, I can, you know, pay some bets on some, on some, the World Series. So he gives him a book that will give him all the sports of, uh, sports outcomes for the rest of the century. So basically, he gives him a golden ticket to do whatever he wants, right? Cool. I love it. It's a cool device. It really is. Um, well, with the bulk of the third act taking place after the events of the first movie, after he gets punched out and leaves that dance. Okay. I'm going to back up a little bit. So old Biff gives him this, gives him this thing and says, here, do this. Here's all your answers. Uh, You're going to win the lottery every year for the rest of your life. Um, And it would be interesting too, to see how that book changes over the years, because if somebody is known to be a lucky guess, you subconsciously would, be would could change the aspect of games knowing that somebody who's never wrong just bet against you that's going to throw off. so that book is i would be interesting this you know just a, a thought experiment on how that would change um but again he gives him the book and says and th- these are the, the 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 big words he says at some point a kid or a wild-eyed scientist. Is going to like everybody knows, a wild-eyed scientist um is gonna come asking for about coming asking about this book. And when that ever happens, do that. They could have fixed that with Biff just saying, Doc and Marty are going to come because <laughs> you know at this point, um, he knows old Biff knows that young Biff knows about Calvin Klein at least. And he at least knows that, yeah, for some reason this week, this old guy and this kid that no one's ever seen before is showing up. That's the talk of the town. He even brings it up when he's talking to Lorraine. Um, that she's going to the dance with Jort, with Calvin Klein, who's Marty. All he has to do is say, yeah, Marty is like, say something. And this is the, they could have fixed so many things in this movie by just talking. <laughs> you don't have to talk in riddles and slurs. Just talk. Doc could have fixed whatever happened with Marty by telling him. He could have fixed anything that happened with his kids by telling him. Biff could have stopped everything that happened in Evil Eighty Five by just telling him. It's it's this kid. It's Calvin Klein. That's the one that's going to ruin everything for you. It's Doc Brown. It's this old guy. Kill him. You know, like if you're you're telling him when they come asking, kill him. Hitler's a baby kill him <laughs> Like you've got the chance to 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 assassinate Hitler as an infant do it you know you've got that opportunity but that's again you have to have a story and I, and, and I get it but <laughs> that a lot could be happened with just talking and I think that that's the <laughs> the good theme from this movie if you just talk to people you'll be amazed at how far it can go so but what I find interesting in the end of the third act when Biff leaves the dance, he's been punched out by Doc, or excuse me, by by George McFly. At this point, that sets into motion the events of the first, the fixed 85, where now he's subservient, like that broke him, and now he's subservient. But when he leaves, he's not. He's still Biff. He's still... It, this so this leads to my point that George McFly becomes an asshole to him over and over and over and over again. It's a slow, methodical, abusive process that he does because when he, when the initial after that initial fight when he leaves, he's back to being more or less Biff. Yeah, he's kind of got his bell wrong, but he's still fighting with Calvin Klein because he knows Calvin Klein. He's been dealing with him all week. Now he's flying around in a leather hat or in a leather jacket and a hat, and a second time now, a second time, um, you know, because the scene ends with that cool chase in the tunnel, and he crashed in the twice. You're not gonna tell me you're not gonna remember that? That this dude made you crash your car twice in a week that cost you a four, $300 and 55 money. Again, it's like billion, trillion dollars. He crashes his car and covers it with manure, you don't think you're going to remember that? You will. <laughs> Forever. I got into a car accident when I was in high school and I remember it vividly. I could tell you exactly how it happened. I was riding in a blue or excuse me, in a red Jeep Cherokee and my friend who was driving drove into the side side of a bus. And the back wheel well clipped to the front of the car and completely tore the front Of the car of the front of the jeep off like it was paper spun us around while we were where we were sitting we spun all the way around and landed right where we were sitting and the whole front of the car was tore off the bumper the headlights everything all you saw was a radiator i remember that and that was 25 years ago Uh, (laughs) you would remember that if you saw a flying car you would remember that so that's in the context of this happening and for all intents and purposes the events of the end of back to the future 2 everything that they fixed in 85 the fixed 85 happens the way it happens presented he grows up remembering a flying car calvin klein looking just like marty and and all this has happened to him over the course of a week. He was giving a golden ticket and then he lost it. Yeah, Biff is fucked up badly. Absolutely bonkers. And it's just kind of like brushed off aside because we get to in the end of the third one that it's, oh, he's fine. It, nothing happens. In fact, it even becomes even more creepy the thing, more you think about it in the events of the end of the third one. So, Back to the Future 2, weird, weird, weird stuff. It causes more questions than answers. The real theme for that one, though, is like just talk because you could <laughs> fix a lot of problems by just using words. So that's Back to the Future 2. Again, it was... Um, at the time, it was like, hmm it was a really dark, especially for alternate 85. It was really, really dark. Um, it, It's a, it, it's well more, it's more well received now than it was then. Like it, it's aged. I can't say it's aged well, but it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's looked at more fondly than it was at the, at the beginning. The theme is still there that, you know, despite whatever, Ultimately what you really want is a cool car. Um so that gives us the three filmed congruently with Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 3 is a fantastic movie. I love the crap out of it. Um Marty is we learn which a uh, weird ending too. All of a sudden all of a sudden a guy the guy from uh from SCTV shows up. And gives Marty a letter saying that Doc Brown, uh, at this at the at the lightning strike when the lightning struck the Delorean in in the end of end of fifty five uh, end of Back to the Future two, he got sent to the Old West. And he subsequently writes him a letter that Western Union, nice good plug for Western Union by the way, holds on for for uh um eighty five to fifty five, so uh seventy years. They hold on to. And then they deliver it like they're supposed to. I remember watching, too, with my dad uh, before he passed away. And, like, it was funny. When the car gets sucked by lightning, it does this really weird, and then it blinks out. And all of a sudden, you see, like, a 99, a backwards 99 in the air. And him and I, I can remember, we went back and forth lots of times about what that signified. It wasn't until years later, I was, Oh wait. That was the tire tracks making fire. Like, it's done everything every time it's ever gone through time. Um, but to us, like he didn't know if it was like a quotation mark or a 99 or it meant something, but we, we just couldn't figure it out and we kind of went back and forth on it. So dad, if you're on the other side of the rainbow bridge listening to this, um, it was the tire track. So that was, I don't know why we missed it, but oh well. (laughs) Um, So, Back to the Future Three, nice, good change of pace. It becomes a western. Uh, Marty, uh, Marty goes and gets uh, fifty-five Doc that would that helped him in the first movie, and they get the DeLorean that was left behind that Doc left behind in a cave, back in the old West. Some really great stuff. Um, really great stuff leading into how they get to the old West. I personally, you know, they didn't have to go as hard with the Native American theme to drive in as they did. Because if you look, it was done with all the <laughs> with all the couth of a of a, of a late 80s uh, set designer making that old drive in movie theater. So there's a lot of 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 uh ra- racist tones written in, into that, that thing, that drive-in movie theater set, but how it plays out is cool. But again, you have to acknowledge that, yeah, they're ish. but the, 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 the aesthetics of the, the, the DeLorean, the way it goes from the first movie to the second to the third, it's just fantastic. I love that they put from 1955 white wall tires on it. The microchip, which is super, super tiny, is now the size of the hood. It's just great. Um, really, you know, if, back, if, if Indiana Jones was an updated serial for, you know, its time, these movies are definitely like little tiny theme, you know, periods. You had a, a nice, lovely um, nostalgia flick in the first one. You had a really cool sci-fi comedy in the second one, kind of doing some stuff, kind of like a wholesome Blade Runner basically. And then in the third one, you get a old timey Western, like how cool is that? And the, the, the time and attention that they built into that, even getting some of the old, uh, um, old Western actors to be in it, to play the guys hanging out at the bar. It was just lovely. Just absolutely cool. And the, the time skip from 55 to 1885, where the screen that he's driving into has native Americans painted on it too. He goes to the old West and he runs right into a line of native Americans. If, It brings its own questions. It looks cool, but again, it brings up a lot more questions than that because they're being hunted by the cavalry, you find out. Not a really good look, I'll tell you. (laughs) So, so then they have an Old West adventure, and how cool is that? Again, Marty still has this problem with being called chicken. Again, not something that was presented in the first film, but uh, it's a trait of his now. Uh, even as a kid, I thought it was funny that Doc or Marty's so upset that Doc is dead, um, by the time, but like he would have been in the old West for like 70 years. So he would have died off like to find his gravestone shouldn't have been a shock that, you know, it was a shock that it it happened like right after he writes the letter, but to him, to him from from 1885. But it's just always funny. Like, uh, um, the, (laughs) Like, well, yeah, that's, it's right there. Of course he's dead. Uh, but it's okay. It gives him the motivation to, instead of going to his own time to, to go to the old West and have an old West adventure. And now it's so much fun. There's a lot of good stuff there. I love Buford's ancestor, mad dog Tannen. Um, it's just, it's, it's just lovely. Um, I like it. I like the the um, Mary Steenburgen as Clara Clayton, uh a love interest for Doc makes it really cool. Uh oddly enough, it was Christopher Lloyd's first on screen kiss and he'd been around for a long time by this point. Um so it was nice and I really loved those scenes with Doc and Clara. I I it's just so sweet and so wholesome and the way it plays out there's real affection there and there's real there's real I don't know if it's a chemistry or what but just there's a realness there those scenes where they're 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 looking at the night sky and talking and you know him talking about his growing up and and her you know being even though they're separated by a hundred years of time. Basically there's, they still love the same things and they still look at the same things. That's one thing that I think people forget that, you know, people that lived in the past weren't knucklehead Neanderthals. They had eyes and they had brains. And just because they looked at things differently, I mean, they still looked up with a sense of wonder. And that's what I love about, about, about those scenes with Clara. Um, absolutely wonderful. Um, the way they fix, you know, the way they, they get the the back to their own personal time, I think is fantastic. Um, they try the different things. Like, how iconic is that with the horses? And they're riding the DeLorean uh, with, uh, drawn by horses. I mean, by this time, you've seen this car do so many cool things. And again, as a 9, 10-year-old boy, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so cool. So neat. Uh, the... I would have liked to have seen, because uh, Marty uh, Michael J. Fox plays Seamus, his uh, his great grandfather, his great great grandfather, and I I like that they use Leah Tomlin as Maggie to play his wife. But how cool would that have that been to get again Elizabeth Shue to play to play his wife? Like it just would drive the point home that that you know no matter what. You know these two people are destined, even if they're two different people. Like, it, to to have Leah Tomlin play the wife. You know, I, I don't know. I I I guess to make uh, it, it was cool either way because unfortunately it wasn't that. You know, it was just a small part. But I I honestly think that Jennifer needed something for this to. To make up for what happened to her in the second one, she needed a thing, too. And I think that she could have had something in this. How they could have made that work, I don't know. But you've got Elizabeth Shue. Use her. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we get to, okay, well, how are we going to get back to the future? <laughs> nice. The train. They put the thing on the train, and they use the train. How cool is that? Oh, God. So good. So Amazing. I'm deep down in the Be Kind Rewind. (laughs) Oh my God. It's just chef kiss. Great. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved everything about it. Um, You know, Doc, you know, before they leave, Doc decides to do the honorable thing and tell her the truth. Again, using her words. And. Yeah, she's hurt, and he—it's a uncomfortable situation, and she yells at him, and he goes and drinks, and they have the good shootout. And in those scenes, Marty learns that you know you could be—it's okay if someone thinks you're chicken. You don't have to do something stupid. A good lesson to learn. Weird that you have this trait all of a sudden, but okay, he learns it. Awesome. Recreate the good, bad, and the ugly. Awesome, or or a few fistful of dollars, I believe. Yeah, fistful of dollars, few dollars more, something like that was the movie that they were recreating with the um, bulletproof vest. Again, call back to the first movie. The, I love the, uh, so, you know, he, he's forthcoming with Clara. He tells her, I come from the future. I built a time machine. I'm from a hundred years in the future. I have to go back. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, It's not that I don't love you, it's just this is the right thing to do. And she gets upset, rightfully so, and doesn't believe him because she thinks that he's being, you know, dishonest with her instead of just saying, I don't like you, I don't want to leave. He's being honest with her and she's hurt. And it takes her learning, the you know, more to the story from a happenstance. I mean, it's kind of like a weird happenstance that she learns how distraught and hurt he was. But again, he was forthcoming and truthful to her, and it paid off. She understood. It took her some time, obviously, but she understood. And she did this impulsive thing by jumping off the train that she was leaving town on and getting onto the locomotive they had stolen from this train. It's it's, it's a convoluted thing, but... and while Doc and Marty are trying to leave, she follows him, and on the side of that train, Doc has a choice. Just leave her behind like she was supposed to, or, you know what? Take a shot at love. Or take a shot at, you know, he's done all this time traveling and and all these things. Like, this is, all right, I'm, I'm gonna do the noble thing. Or not the noble thing, but He chooses that you know he's he chooses differently and uh how cool is that that the hoverboard is there such a cool tie-in to opposite ends of this time thing that they do slip the this hoverboard to him they he literally rides off into the sunset with clara and it's beautiful and then we get the cool the time machine goes to the future Marty goes back to the future. The train and this awesome. Train wreck goes flying off of the the bridge. It's a model I learned years later, but how cool was that? That the train uh, is a train crash leads you to believe that. Yep, everything is. Uh, Doc and Clara live the rest of their lives in the old west, and um, the time machine gets destroyed by um by uh, uh, a modern day train again, that's what, there's no way you're going to be able to get that. That's a, a Googleplex in one shot of going through time and landing right on those rails. Again, because the earth is moving as well, but you know, that's splitting hairs. So to wrap up, Marty now still has the truck. He's able to talk. Jennifer's like, yeah, that was all a dream, whatever. I'm sitting here dressed in the old West. Also too... Now you wouldn't notice this right away, but technically, Marty McFly at this point is two and a half weeks older than he was when the movie started, because he lived a week in the pa- in 1955. He lived three days in uh, going through the events of Back to the Future Two, and then a week we're led to believe in the past. So he's two and a half weeks older now. So he would have had you know unless he shaved or whatever in a completely different, you know, so he probably didn't bathe well in the Old West, I'm guessing. Um, But, yeah, so, again, Biff had just seen the the DeLorean fly away, and then moments later, he's there with the truck in the cowboy outfit. I don't know, it's just a really weird thing, and when you put that into context of of Biff's story. It's pff, feel bad for the guy, that guy. Holy smokes. And then, then, <laughs> and then the, the final scene of these st- this trilogy is just, we get a payoff and hot damn, do we get a payoff again? Some of my favorite movies ever, but good God. So Jennifer or, or Marty, they finally take that truck for the spin that they've talked about in for three movies, and he learns not to just fall into any sort of, like, don't call me chicken uh, aspect that he does. Um, is able to not avoid the crash to the Rolls Royce. Again, if Doc had just said something, because at no point does it say that oh yeah this literally happens an hour later <laughs> like that morning after the events of Back to the Future 1 and 2 and 3 that happens within you know this isn't something that happens 25 years in the 30 years in the future this isn't some weird thing about your your kid robbing something with some sort of coked up bionic Griff, no, this literally happens an hour from now. Hey, that needles guy, yeah, don't race him. in, in like, here in a few minutes, <laughs> you could have avoided and fixed all of the the bad things that happened in in the future for back for for Marty McFly. Is that yeah? Hey, just chill for like an hour. You know, <laughs> go get some breakfast. Um, and then. Marty, again, comes clean to Jennifer that, hey, yeah, you were in time machine. You did go to the future. We drugged you electronically, and now this is what's happened. Um, you don't get, like, it's just so, so bizarre, but she gets it. She understands. She's like, okay, that makes sense. Again, you could have fixed that and not have. <laughs> but then, okay, then the great thing happens All of a sudden you hear the explosion that you've come to and it's a goddamn steam powered flying train shows up and it's uh, Steampunk before Steampunk was cool. And Doc Brown is there in a steam powered time machine, steam. You could have figured this out. Steam can work your time machine. You could have gotten the DeLorean powered by steam. You did. You just plugged it in front of a train. Instead of saying, oh, screw it. I'll just make the train the, the time machine itself. So, ta I made a time machine, and I came back. Um, you know, I, for three movies, I've been telling you not to mess with the timeline. Although, you immediately go and mess with the timeline. So, so, he shows up with, with Clara, and they've had two kids, Jules and Vern. Pretty on the nose. They were the basis of the... If you ever watched the animated show... Um, Jules and Vern are, that's like the adventures of Jules and Vern, which I always thought would be a cool, again, a fan fiction thing. If they are going to make more of these, they shouldn't. They probably never will. But if down the line someone does, that is where I think you should get their, their attention. Jules and Vern growing up and now they've got adventures to go on. Maybe involve Biff Jr. with you, let him fix some problems too. He, you know, he gives them the picture that they took in front of the clock. I mean, it's just a nice sentimental thing. And then he utters those words. It was, again, a great theme. I had the privilege of speaking in a graduation ceremony a few months ago. um, And Doc Brown's words I used in my graduation speech because it's simple. It's a little on the nose, but it's perfect. You know, Jennifer asked him, I was like, hey. I brought this piece of paper back from the future and it's erased. There's nothing on there anymore. And he says, of course it's erased because your future isn't written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make of it. So make it a good one. And that I think is a great takeaway from these films is, yeah, right. Your future is whatever you can make of it. So make it a good one, right? Granted, that's a little glib, but you can still be... You know, you know, live your life to the fullest, make, make your future a good one, you know, try to make good choices. And then the best thing happens ever. He says goodbye and he's going to go back to, you know, back to probably to the old West or wherever he's going to go. He climbs back inside. He says the, the emotional goodbye to Marty and he climbs inside the train and the doors close and God damn it, that train picks up off the ground and flies away this giant flying snake that's gonna go through time on a bunch of crazy misadventures with the two of the most creepiest ever kids i'd ever seen (laughs) oh my god if you really take a step back and look at it my god it's freaking ridiculous but it's just beautiful oh my gosh so back to the future trilogy uh one of my all-time favorites. Not only does it have you know sentimentality of you know being a kid enjoying it, I totally bought it. There's a classic, classic hoax. Robert Zemeckis said in an interview, he said, you know, Mattel had these hoverboards for years, but they were too dangerous for kids. But we got our hands on, so he they led people to believe that hoverboards were real. They're not real. They were always just done on wires, but it looked so cool. And to this day, it's, those scenes still look pretty damn cool, I think. Um, I just... This is one of those things where if you step back from something that you love, it's a wackadoo nonsense <laughs> adventure of ridiculousness, but despite itself, it stood the test of time, no pun intended, and it's great, and I can go right now and buy Funko Pops of Marty, Marty McFly um, it just got a four K release. Um, there was a ride which I, I I was fortunate enough to to ride the ride, and in Back to the, the Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios, which is a whole completely other wackadoo story. It takes place where Mart, where Doc Brown has like an institute he runs now. And young Biff breaks in, steals it, so you have to follow him in a... Steals a DeLorean, because there's hundreds of them now. So you have to follow him in a DeLorean, and you go through different adventures. And it shows uh, 2015 uh, Hill Valley, like, the flyover model. It looks really cool if you look at it. The footage from the ride is actually on most DVD releases, so it's really cool. Uh, A wackadoo cartoon. They even done a musical, like... Back to the Future is going to be around for a long. It's not going anywhere, and but it's by no means a terrible movie. It's a wonderful film. They all three are, but really taking a look at that, and there's some pretty bullshit, wackadoo things in there. And honestly, when Doc and Marty, that's the one thing that will I will always bother me. And and uh, crossing my fingers, we're gonna. Try, I'm trying to get, it... if we can coordinate it right. I don't want to spoil too much, but I might just might 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 get a chance to to interview the boy or the guy that was, uh, in the movie Flight of the Navigator and sure shit, I'm going to ask him this question. <laughs> what his thoughts on that? Because they got time travel, right? Back to the future did not. But, um, so this has been a, a, a soft unkind rewind. This is just a fresh look on a beloved t- tale. Holy damn is the back to the future trilogy wackadoo. You know, when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing my brother. Why the hell are you kissing your brother? <laughs> 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 Sit on that one tonight and let that marinate. Um, love you guys so much. Um, make sure to check us out on everything, on all the platforms, and check out all the cool shows here at the East Drop Network. Uh, again, our stuff is on Redbubble. You can get some T-shirts, uh, things like that. Um, stay tuned for our next live show coming up soon. Details to Follow. Uh, I love you. Remember if you're going to have a re if you're going to have a rewind, you might as well be kind unless it's not warranted. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go watch Back to the Future 2 again. Uh, I love you. Um remember there would be no Rick and Morty without Back to the Future, so if you hate Rick and Morty, uh you're welcome to you be love Rick and Morty. Uh get over yourself. Um All right, love you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.